This is Radio Romania International. You are listening to our one-hour broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa. We can also be heard on the Internet at www.rri.ro channel 1. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and other social media platforms. Our programs are also available on TuneIn and via satellite Eurosat 16A on 11.512MHz vertical polarization, azimuth 16 degrees east, symbol rate 29.950 mega symbols per second, standard DVB-S2, modulation 8PSK, audio PID 510. We wish you good reception conditions. Hello, this is Daniel Bilz with the news, the headlines. Bucharest is hosting the first high-level forum devoted to promoting capital markets on the two banks of River Prut, which is taking place in Bucharest today. The coffin of Queen Elizabeth II is to be brought to Buckingham today, and Ukraine says it has retaken more than 6,000 square kilometers from Russian control in September. Moldova-Romania Capital Bridges is the name of the first high-level forum devoted to promoting capital markets on the two banks of River Prut, which is taking place in Bucharest today. According to organizers, the event has been structured on three panels and will have among invitees Romania's Prime Minister Nicolae Ciucă and his Moldovan counterpart Natalia Gavrilica. The two already held talks this morning during a walking breakfast. The forum's agenda includes topical issues such as the international context, ways of implementing favorable policies for the development of business and investment climate, and strengthening ties between the capital markets of the two countries, mainly against the background of the Republic of Moldova's status of EU candidate. The custodian of the Romanian crown, Her Majesty Margarita, and her consort, Prince Radu, will be participating in the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, the royal secretariat announced on Tuesday. The state funeral for Queen Elizabeth is due on September the 19th at Westminster Abbey in London, Buckingham Palace announced on Saturday. King Charles has approved an order that the day of the Queen's funeral will be a bank holiday. The world's leader, including US President Joe Biden and representatives of the royal houses, are expected to participate in the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, who died on Thursday at Balmoral Castle in Scotland at the age of 96. The coffin of Queen Elizabeth II, which last night lied at St Giles Cathedral in Edinburgh, is to arrive at Buckingham today. Last night, King Charles, his sister Anne and his brothers Andrew and Edward stood with their heads bowed in a ceremony known as the Vigil of the Princes in the St Giles Cathedral in Edinburgh. 
The new monarch will be visiting each of the four nations on his tour, including England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland. King Charles III will today go to Belfast after speaking before parliaments in London and Edinburgh on Monday. According to Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukrainian forces have retaken more than 6,000 square kilometers from Russian control in September. Kyiv says that Russia has given up the idea of dispatching more troops to Ukraine and Zelensky makes an appeal to the West to step up armament deliveries to Ukraine while the Ukrainian troops are trying to tighten control over a big portion of land retaken from Russia in the northeast. In another development, on Monday, the head of the International Atomic Energy Agency, IAEA, Rafael Grossi, announced that Ukraine and Russia seem to be interested in the IAEA proposal to create a buffer zone around the nuclear power plant in Zaporizhia, occupied by the Russian troops in March. Russia and Ukraine have been accusing each other of shelling Europe's largest nuclear power plant, which affected the buildings close to its six nuclear reactors, increasing the risk of a nuclear disaster. Romanian Defense Minister Vasile Dunku is paying a formal visit to Israel until Friday. According to a communique by the Defense Ministry, the minister's agenda includes talks with his Israeli counterpart, formal ceremonies at the Yad Vashem Memorial, the Holocaust Museum and the Children's Memorial, as well as visits to companies in the defense industry. The two ministers will be tackling topical issues, such as security in the Middle East and the Black Sea, as well as the stage and prospects of bilateral cooperation in the field of defense. And that was the news from Radio Romania International, broadcasting from Bucharest. The annual inflation rate in Romania has again exceeded 15%. I'm Elena Enake with more on this topic in a report by Roxana Vasile. Romanians have a hard time dealing with the continuous price hikes given that their revenues, either salaries or pensions, have stagnated or have been indexed to values smaller than the inflation rate. According to a Romanian central bank report a month ago, inflation had intensified its growth pace from April to June and exceeded 15% due to shocks generated by the huge price of energy and fuels and the rise in the price of food products. The bank's forecast for the end of the year is 14%. At the moment, however, people struggle to cover their growing expenses. Romania is, alongside Bulgaria, the country with the lowest living standards in the EU, the gap between revenues and expenses being huge, unlike in other countries, such as the Western ones. According to the National Institute of Statistics, the annual inflation rate in Romania has been again on an upward trend, as of this August, reaching 15.35% after a slight decrease of below 15% in July. At the same time, prices have continued to go up, but at a slower pace. In the month of August, prices were by 0.6% higher than in July, 
while the price of food products were by over 18% higher than in the same period of last year. At the same time, the price of non-food products were by over 18% higher and that of services by 8% higher than in 2021. However, the most significant price rise as against last summer was reported in natural gas, 70%, potatoes, 54% and edible oil, 50%. As far as salaries are concerned, the net average salary went down by 0.1% to 3,975 lei, the equivalent of almost 800 euros. The IT sector reported the highest average salaries, while the hospitality sector was at the opposite end, with the smallest average salaries. The monthly average pension of the 5 million Romanian pensioners stood at 1,851 lei, that is around 370 euros. The reality of these figures leaves financial analysts little room for optimism. The central bank forecasts a stagnation of inflation for the third quarter of this year, followed by a period of decrease. It's only in the third quarter of next year that inflation is expected to go down below a two-digit figure and to stand at 7.5% at the end of 2023. Meanwhile, the political class in Bucharest say they are trying to find solutions to protect vulnerable people. From the opposition, Usere have criticized the ruling coalition for the lack of measures and have voiced disappointment at the government's lack of reaction in spite of having been in power themselves in 2020-2021. Romania and France are helping Ukraine to export its cereals to international markets. I'm Akramira Simeon with details in this commentary by Bogdan Matei. France and Romania-Ukraine's neighbor concluded an agreement to facilitate Kiev's grain exports. The document was signed in Paris by the French Transport Minister Clément Bonne, and the Romanian Secretary of State, Ionel Scrioștanu, with the Romanian Transport Ministry, in the presence of the Ukrainian ambassador to France. According to Radio Romania's correspondent in Paris, France hopes that Ukraine will once again reach the level of exports it had before the Russian troops' invasion of the country, launched on February 24th, upon the order of President Vladimir Putin. At the time, Kyiv could deliver 6 million tons of grain to international markets every month. According to the agreement, France will support Romania to increase the flow of Ukrainian grain through the ports of Constanza on the Black Sea, Galatz on the Danube, and through the Sulina Canal of the Danube Delta. The Romanian authorities will work with the French authorities for better equipping the land border points between Romania and Ukraine, and for increasing the number of freight wagons that cross the border. A medium-term strategy targets the transport corridors that connect the two countries, including those that cross the Republic of Moldova, an enclave between Romania and Ukraine. Here is the French transport minister Clément Bonne. The agreement with Romania will allow Ukraine to send more grain to Europe, and to developing countries, especially those in the Mediterranean area, which are facing food problems. 
According to Mr. Putin, only 3% of re-exported Ukrainian grain reaches developing countries. However, the amount is much bigger, over a third, which allows some countries like Egypt and others to survive because their people depend on Ukrainian grain. We are proud that thanks to a European action, we have almost managed to reach the level of grain exports that Ukraine had before the war on land routes. Through the agreement with Romania, France will strengthen its support for the export of cereals by sea, rail and land to the countries that need them, said the French minister. Ukraine's ambassador to France, Vadim Omelchenko, thanked for what he called the concrete and useful and efficient support received by his country, support that significantly intensified after the joint visit of Presidents Emmanuel Macron and Klaus Johannes to Kyiv in July. He recalled that after Russia invaded Ukraine, Ukrainian grain exports were almost completely stopped because the Black Sea ports were closed off by the Russian military fleet. As Vladimir Putin is an unpredictable character, the Europeans now fear that the agreement agreed upon in July in Istanbul under the aegis of the UN and with the mediation of Turkey, under which the Russians allowed the transport of wheat and corn through Ukrainian ports, could be in danger. And that was Radio Newsreel. Next in our program is Song of the Day. Listen to Vita de Vie with Butterflies. Suntem, 
Focus on Romania. Inside Romania. Hello and welcome to Inside Romania with me, Lacramera Simeon. The Bucharest National Opera undertakes the mission of promoting the cultural values of the opera to a public as large and young as possible. Thus, at the end of summer, the 12th edition of the traditional event called Opera Promenade took place. It was a cultural hub that offered those present on the Opera House Esplanade a series of outdoor activities that took place over the course of 12 hours. It was a fruitful collaboration between the National Opera and the National University of Theatre and Cinematography, Ile Caragiale. Daniel Ginga, the Director General of the Bucharest National Opera, told us. Promenada Operei este un eveniment de tradiție pentru ONB. The Opera Promenade is a traditional event of the National Opera. It started with an open-air show called Opera Promenade, and this show has already reached its 12th edition. It could be held even during the pandemic because, as you know, in the open air, the restrictions were easier to comply with, and we could carry out our activity even in those conditions. For some time, we have used this event, Opera Promenade, to transform this esplanade in front of the Bucharest National Opera Building into a cultural hub, a place where to attract new categories of public, a place to show that the Bucharest National Opera is not haughty, that the cultural act is not inaccessible. We are not in an ivory tower, and we are waiting for the public to come and enjoy a musical genre and a cultural genre that has several stages of understanding, like an onion that has several layers or skins. So people can go to the opera and at first they can understand the beautiful part of the music, the opera arias, the overtures, then they can grasp the message. There are also people who come to see for the 150th time the same opera, either Traviata or Nabucco, to see different performances or to get different meanings of the same music, said Daniel Zinga. Liviu Lukács is the rector of the National University of Theatre and Cinematography in Bucharest, and he added, 
Suntem astăzi Universitatea Națională de Arte Teatrale și Cinematografice, Ile Caragiale, București. The National University of Theatre and Cinematography in Bucharest today stands by the National Opera and we will stand by it every time when we are needed and we need to build together such events for the Bucharest public and not only. As you can see here, it is a special deployment of forces. We have built a camp which has been operating for several days in such a way as to offer people the best conditions for a cultural and artistic experience. We did that together with people from several departments of the university, acting, puppetry, theater directing, film directing, and multimedia. Multimedia is very important nowadays. We have a mobile stage. We helped build this huge stage, 400 square meters. We have filming facilities, ground camera, drone cameras, balloon cameras. We are trying to achieve a 360-degree video capture from the middle of the orchestra and provide live streaming, video mapping on buildings. Most importantly, we want to involve a young human resource who wants to participate in such events and to build together with the National Opera a long, interesting path, attractive to all audiences, Livio Lukács said. The audience attending the event could enjoy the extraordinary gala that featured the orchestra, choir, and ensemble of the Bucharest National Opera conducted by Tiberius Soare. Daniel Magdal, deputy director of the National Bucharest Opera, told us that we have prepared an extraordinarily beautiful program with arias and scenes from operas from the shows we are preparing, premieres from the season that is just starting, and of course, several best known arias. We are happy to be with the public every time we have the opportunity. It is critical and we are extremely grateful that opera lovers are standing by our side. The entire staff of the opera is participating in tonight's event, which in principle means the opening of the season for us, said Daniel Magdal. Alexandru Nogi is the director of the event and he told us the following. I am very happy that the 12th edition of the Opera Promenade succeeds in bringing in new blood to also ensure the regeneration of our audience who is generally believed to belong to an age group that we dearly call seniors. This year we are showing a series of activities that include opera people. The opera people, artists, technicians in front of and behind the scenes are all here on the opera promenade participating in different workshops. There is a ballet workshop, First Ballet Steps. We wanted the children who come here to have the opportunity for two hours or two and a half hours to make their first ballet steps under the guidance of a professional dancer, a ballerina, in our case, first ballerina Mihaela Suare. We also thought that there would be children who would like to be able to get in contact with an instrument, so we organized a piano workshop, first time on the piano, said Alexandru Nogi in the end of Inside Romania today. This is Radio Romania International, cultural event.
Welcome to Cultural Event with me, Eugen Nasta. Share, Tag or Die has been organized by the Alchemic Photographic Association. It is a cultural project which seeks to promote Romanian artists alongside international artists via transparent dialogue, which is at once extensive and cooperative. The project started with an open call extended to artists worldwide. Its eventual aim was the collection of a database of at least 200 images provided by the social media. With no previous selection, the images would be included in their entirety in a final installation based upon availability. Here is the artistic director of the Alchemic Photographic Association, Stefan Dino, with the details on the project. The concept of the event known as Share, Tag or Die has to do with the artist's interaction with the social media. That is why the open call we have launched focused on the freedom and democracy underlying the social media. That was also the reason why we refrained from operating a selection. What we wanted was to collect works from each and every artist who sought to prove how they promoted their own art on social media. So we received works from very many countries, from Brazil, Barbados and New Zealand, to name but a few of them. We received works by artists worldwide who felt the frustration caused by the migration of art towards the social media and its ensuing promotion. Right from the start, we sought to collect 200 images, as we knew from our past experience, and being familiar with the niche, that an open call we made for a month can collect a similar number of reactions. Also, it was the exposure we had to take into account. Eventually, 204 images were collected. We could not turn down three additional entries. As for the image number 204, it was one of my photographs. Practically, the exhibition is displayed on several cloth strips. The photographs have been made using the cyanotype technique. Four images are being printed on each strip of cloth, somehow imitating an Instagram or a Facebook feed you can follow live. Alchemic has been initiated as a niche entrepreneurial project, co-founded by two photographers and entrepreneurs, Stefan Dino and Alex Spinano. Alchemic took off more than 10 years ago, and, through the courses and workshops they staged, has since been seeking to support the aficionados and the practitioners community, amateurs and professionals alike, people who had a keen interest in analogue, alternative and experimental photography. Beginning 2020, visual artist and cultural manager Sabina Suru has joined the team. As for the association, it has been revamped only to become the Alchemic Photographic Association, jointly carrying a string of projects seeking to get the artistic community involved, as well as the technical photographic one. Among other projects, Share, Tag or Die sought to engage in a debate targeting social media as a consumption milieu for artistic objects. To put it differently, to what extent can today's small screen render the complexity of a work of art? And that was Cultural Event. Next in this program, sports. Welcome, I'm Vlad Palku. 
The Women's Champions League started last weekend, bringing good news for Romanian handball clubs. In Group A on Sunday, CSM Bucharest won at home 30-28 against Krim Ljubljana of Slovenia. Krim was leading at half-time 19-17. In the second round this Sunday, CSM will play Brest-Bretagne handball of France away from home. In Group B on Saturday, Rapid Bucharest defeated Lokomotiva Zagreb of Croatia 31-27. The Romanian defending champions had a goal lead almost the entire game. In the other group fixture, Kastamonu Belediesi of Turkey lost 40-27 to Budushnas Podgorica of Montenegro. The top scorers for Rapid were Eliza Buceski and Alexandra Bada, each with six goals. For her solid performance in the match against Lokomotiva, we have designated Eliza Buceski Athlete of the Week on Radio Romania International. Eliza Buceski was born in 1993. She is a daughter of former top-performing handballers. She took up handball at the age of 12 in her native town, Baia Mare. Rapid Bucharest is the seventh club she has been playing for in her career as a pro. She is 1 meter 77 and usually plays center backcourt or left winger. Starting 2011, she has been representing Romania's senior team, with which she won third place at the World Handball Championships in Denmark, the best result of her career. At individual level, she was included in the under 22 dream team of the 2015 World Championships as best center backcourt. She was also nominated in the top five under-22 players in the 2015-2016 edition of Champions League. In 2018, she was the second top scorer at the European Championships. And this has been all in today's edition of Athlete of the Week. Our sports items are also available at rri.ro and on Facebook. Coming up next on Radio Romania International, it's your music. I'm Ana Maria Popescu and today's installment is devoted to two artists who celebrated their birthday in the first half of September. We start with the rock and blues guitarist, composer and vocalist Sandu Albiter, founder and frontman of the rock band Group 74 and Albiter Blues Company. Both of them based in Brasov, central Romania. Sandu Albiter turned 70 on the 5th of September, and here he is with a piece called The Eyes of the Rain.
We go on today with another piece by Sandu Albiter, Sunrise, the title song on an LP released in 1990.
Blidariu, a vocalist, guitarist, and trumpet player in the Cluj-Napoca-based group Luna Amara, Bitter Moon in English, is the other guest in our music show today. He turned 43 on the 6th of September, the perfect reason for us to include a piece from one of the 10 albums released so far by the alternative rock band Luna Amara. Bright Red is the name of the song taken off the album Asphalt, released in 2004.
Living Romania. Coming up next. People and places. Welcome to a fresh installment of People and Places with me, Mihaela Ignatescu. My guest today is Peter G. Stone, a founding member and president of Blue Shield, formerly known as the International Committee of the Blue Shield, an international organization founded in 1996 to protect the world's cultural heritage from threats such as armed conflicts and natural disasters. In a talk with my colleague Diana Petrescu, Mr. Stone talked about Blue Shield and his visit to Romania. Stay tuned. Professor Stone, please tell us in a few words about Blue Shield. What is it and what is it concerned with? Okay, um, thank you. Um, the Blue Shield is an international organization um, that is independent, impartial and neutral. Um, so it doesn't take sides, it doesn't point a finger at an aggressor in an armed conflict, um, but it asks all parties to armed conflicts to take um, the protection of cultural property seriously and to abide by their obligations and responsibilities under international humanitarian law. And so that, in a way, explains what the Blue Shield is and does. It is a, an organisation which is not only heritage but linked to the humanitarian sector and what we refer to as the uniform sector, so the armed forces, police, customs, other emergency services, um, working to together, starting in very different places, but working together to, in Blue Shield language, create healthy, peaceful, stable, sustainable communities. Because if we have those, then essentially we have peace and we're aspiring to having peace through protection of heritage and the term cultural property is the term used in our main um, bit of context which is in international humanitarian law the 1950 Hague Convention on the protection of cultural property in the event of armed conflict. So the ultimate goal is uh, the protection of culture and why not <coughs> peace? Cultural it, peace if you want. Ab absolutely and it is it's peace through the protection of culture and heritage. And um, at the end of the Second World War, um, the 
those who gathered to draft the 1954 convention and many of the other international conventions that were drafted at the end of the Second World War realised that the mechanisms put in place at the end of the First World War, the League of Nations and um, its associated uh, bodies, had not managed to avoid the Second World War. So they um, moved away from the League of Nations idea, which was predominantly based around economics and politics, to the United Nations, which was based around economics and politics, but also um, humankind's um, humanity and our need to develop peace through an understanding in um, UN terms, through UNESCO, um, of dealing with education, science and culture to create a international concept of peace. And so that's how we were envisaged in the 1950s. And um, as I say, those who drafted that convention envisaged a um, Red Cross for cultural property, mirroring um, the Red Cross looking after civilians and, and people. And they realised through the experience of the two world wars that the protection of people was indivisibly intertwined with the, def uh, the protection of the people's cultural property. And if you, if you tried to protect one without the other, you would not be successful. And so the two work together. Unfortunately, nobody created the Blue Shield um, or the Red Cross for cultural property um, in 1954. It only uh, was created in 1996 and it only really became um, majorly functioning in the mid-2000s. There are vivid memories, undoubtedly, from the Iraq War. Yeah. I remember the, the famous city of Ur and the ziggurats and the efforts that were being made. To... Yes, um, I mean, that's really when I first became heavily involved in this work, um, when I became far too late to really have any influence um, over UK military um, work in protecting cultural property. And in the lead up to the 2003 invasion, um, there had been a series of think tanks, seven different think tanks set up in um, Washington to um, plan for post-Saddam Hussein Iraq. And one of those had a subcommittee on the whole of culture, which I understand never met. And as a result, in 2003, the, um, the biggest threat to cultural property in that conflict was in fact the coalition, um, because not only had they not planned for um, the protection of cultural property, because they hadn't planned for it, there were no military forces designated with particular orders to protect heritage. Um, or heritage sites, or museums, or libraries, and as a result, nearly, well, all of the national um, organisations in Baghdad were looted. Um, most of the, or all of the regional museums and many of the regional libraries and archives were also looted at the time. 
simply because there had been a lack of planning. And it's that lack of awareness of the importance of cultural heritage that the Blue Shield tries now to influence and change the idea. You are now on a visit to Romania. Yeah. Why Romania? Why now? And um, what is the broader context of your visit here? Um, well, unfortunately, um, we are now in a situation where there is an armed conflict in um, the center of Europe, and which nobody really expected. And as I say, um, the Blue Shield does not point a finger of blame, um, but asks all parties to the conflict to abide by their international responsibilities. And we, we do that, and we do that to enable us to work in confidence behind the scenes with all parties to a conflict. Um, so that's where we are. But why I'm in Romania and why I've been to a number of other um, uh, countries in, in this region over the last few months is because those countries are now significantly more worried about their cultural property and its protection in case of a an armed conflict um, encroaching on their territory. Um, so it's really, um, I mean, in Romania's situation, Romania has uh, ratified all three parts of the Hague Convention. So that's a big tick for Romania. Um, but my question always is, so you've ratified everything, um, but uh, have you implemented all of the uh, supposed work for the convention? And there is no disrespect to um, Romania in this, but like most other countries on the planet, um, Romania hasn't implemented everything that they perhaps should have done. And the key message that the Blue Shield constantly tries to put across is that if you don't implement the Hague Convention in peacetime, it is too late to try and implement it when a conflict happens or when a natural or human-made disaster occurs. You have to build partnerships, you have to build trust, and you have to build the policies and the practices that will save cultural property um, in the worst-case scenario. In advance. In advance, in, in peacetime. Peace. Mm -hmm. And that's why our mantra is that protection of cultural property is a peacetime occupation, because if you get that right, then you um, can protect in an armed conflict or following a disaster. That's all from People and Places for now. Stay tuned for more in our following shows. Focus on Romania. Coming up next on Radio Romania International. Simply Folk. Welcome to Simply Folk with me, Lacramera Simeon. Today's program features Gheorghe Roșoga, a representative of Oltenia in southern Romania, with the song One Rainy Day. Rosie, <laughs> 
văzut o păsărea măi Cu buize cirii pe-a măi Și din cui mi-i arunca măi Cu buize cirii pe-a măi Și din cui mi-i arunca măi Arunca pui cu ciocul Să zboare să-și cate locul Că s-au făcut mărișorii Și n-au loc în cuibușorii Să zboare prin codrul mare Să-și caute temâni care Păsărea am pătrânit Penelei s-au rădit Penelei s-au rădit Bătute de ploi și vânt Nu mai zboară cum zbura măi Nu mai cântă cum cânta măi With that, our broadcast in English for listeners in Western Europe and Africa has come to an end. You can listen to our next program for Western Europe at 1700 hours UTC on 9760 kHz in the DRM system and on 11850 kHz in analog system. Listeners in Africa can receive our programs tomorrow at 1100 hours UTC on 15.320 and 17.670 kHz. We can also be heard on the internet at www.ri.ro. If you have any comments or suggestions, please write an email at engl at ri.ro. Goodbye.